this morning we are taking a little bit of time to talk about new community because, um, one, it fits in what we've been kind of describing as uh, a journey through this section of Romans, but also because um, <clears throat> once a year we think it's important to just kind of like recalibrate and communicate who we are as a community, why we exist. Obviously, we exist for these reasons, right? But to, to try to articulate in a small way what that looks like. And so this week, as I was thinking about it, I started thinking about really pressing things in life, things that are super important. Um, and as Christians, some of our responsibility to know what's going on in the world, to know uh, what are the latest happenings, how people feel about them. And so um, here, this, this pressing issue tells us a little bit about the depth of our society and some of the issues at hand. Uh, first slide here. The real question is, is it gold and white or is it blue and black? I mean, this is pressing, pressing issue. How many of you are in the gold and white camp? Yes, that that is me also. We see it correctly. The rest of you. The reason I bring this up, though, is because this this actually, I saw it and it made me think of the six blind men and the elephant. Have you guys heard of that parable, that story, six blind men and the elephant? So there's a parable, you can go to the next slide, about, uh, it's an Indian proverb, basically, about uh, blind men and their understanding of an elephant. And uh, that famous Indian legend was ultimately put into a poem, and in 1872, a poem was written about this particular elephant and the way people see it. I'll uh, read it to you briefly. It was the six men of Industin who, learning much inclined who went to see the elephant, though all of them were blind, that each by observation might satisfy his mind. The first approached the elephant, and happening to fall against his broad and sturdy side, at once began to bawl, God bless me, but the elephant is very like a wall. The second feeling of the tusk cried, Ho, what have we here? So very round and smooth and sharp, to me it's mighty clear. This wonder of an elephant is very like a spear. The third approached the animal and happening to take the squirming trunk within his hands, thus boldly up and spake. I see, he said, the elephant is very like a snake. The fourth reached out his eager hand and felt about the knee. What most this wondrous beast is like is mighty plain, said he. Tis clear enough the elephant is very like a tree. The fifth who chanced to touch the ear said, Even the blindest man can tell what this resembles most. Deny the fact, who can? This marvel of an elephant is very like a fan. The sixth no sooner had begun about the beast to grope than seizing on the swinging tail that fell within his scope. I see, he said, the elephant is very like a rope. And so these men of Indostan disputed loud and long, each in his own opinion, exceedingly stiff and strong, though each was partly in the right, and all were in the wrong. The moral of the story, the poet goes on to say this, So oft in theologic wars, the disputants I ween, rail on in utter ignorance of what each other mean, and prate about an elephant, not one of them. Has seen. I bring up the dress because it reminded me of the poem. I bring up the poem because it reminds me of the church. 
Here's how it reminds me of the church. It doesn't remind me of the church in the sense that we have theologic wars in which we debate finer points of theology that many of us just have to be humble enough to admit we don't know and uh, aren't really totally central to the crux of what it is to be a follower of Jesus. I don't bring it up for that reason, although that probably does exist in the church. The reason I bring it up is, and the reason it reminds me of the church is because I bet if we took a survey here this morning, that uh, we would have probably a hundred different renderings of what the church is and what it's supposed to do. Why does the church exist and what is it supposed to do? If we ask simply, what is the church? I'm convinced we'd have a very elephant-like answer. There'd be people who describe it in a myriad of ways and simply because all of us have brushed up against the church at some point. We've come in contact with it. We maybe have reached out and touched it. Maybe we're just coming back to the church. Maybe it's been a part of our life for our whole life. I I grew up in the church. By that I mean like I started when I was in utero and have been at the church since. Uh, My parents took me from the time I was born and it was just always a part. But all of us see the church differently. Some of us see the church as an institution. And so you push against it because it's an institution that might have let you down in the past, perhaps hurt you. It seems inconsistent in its understanding of science and and faith. And there could be all kinds of reasons why the institution of the church, but maybe you're starting to reluctantly try it again. For some, the church is best described as a hospital. The whole purpose of the church is to heal people see them uh, go from the place that they are to a place of wholeness. For some, the way that you would define the church is the church is to be all about witness. And what I mean by witness is that each Sunday you're going to hear the formulaic gospel presented, that Jesus Christ lived, that he died, that he rose again, that you must trust in him to have faith, and that our whole existence or reason to be as Christians is to go say that same thing to everyone we know. For others, the church is a family or a fellowship, and so everything's about care and relationship and family. Still others, it's the sacraments. They're central to the church, the rooted elements of our faith, the very core. Maybe it's the theological sophistication that comes with that, an emphasis on the word. Some of you are still sitting here starting to squirm a little bit because you haven't yet heard the church described as a servant being in the city or in the world, meeting justice needs, caring and actively participating as the hands and feet of Jesus in the city. All of us have different takes. Some of you are going, yeah, that whole list sounds really good to me. Isn't the church supposed to be all of that? Or maybe the church is only supposed to be one part or the other and And so a lot of times we brush up against it like this and we simply see one aspect of the church. And this morning, what I'm going to try to do in just a brief little uh, few moments is to try to communicate a little bit of how New Community sees the church. Now, it's going to be impossible for me to cover all that the church is supposed to be or do in uh, in this little time. But my goal is to kind of come at it from an angle that enables us to see how we are seeking as a a community together to live into our understanding of what new community is supposed to be. Uh, If you're visiting, this isn't a a typical service because typically we'll go into a text. This is us kind of 
like talking more about what is the purpose for why we're here and what do we believe in and what do we do. So here are a few things that kind of form a little bit of a foundation. First, we believe the church is a people and not a building or an institution. You've heard us talk about this a lot. You, as a follower of Jesus, are the church, plain and simple. You are the church. It's not just an institution. It's not some organization. It's not a building you go to. You can't say, hi, I'm going to get up and go to the church. When you get up, the church is there already because you're the church, right? And we talk about this often, and it's important. I think it's important for a couple of reasons. One of them is just simply because um, there is a lot of discussion in culture today of people's desire and uh, interest in leaving the church. You might hear that often. I'm going to leave the church. You have one option then. You either leave faith. That's your option. That's it. Because they're interconnected. As soon as you jump into the body of Christ, as soon as you are adopted as a son or daughter of the king, you, by that adoption, are in the family. You might be estranged from the family, so you could be like, hey, I'm, I'm going through a period of estrangement from the church. You could say that. But you can't say I'm leaving it because you are it. Theologically, it's important for us to understand that we are individually and then collectively the church. Second, the church is a body which is made up of diverse parts intended to work together. Meaning that all of us in the body have a function to play, that we all have a role to play, we all have something to contribute. Just as in your body, every part has to function correctly or you're going to know it. If something's off, if something's broke, if something's sprained, if something's not functioning well, it doesn't take long for your body to communicate that to the rest of it. And that's the same for us. The reason that I think the church often doesn't function the way it's supposed to function is simply because there's whole sections of the church missing. It's impossible for it to function correctly, right? If you don't have a spleen, your body's going to know. You don't have a stomach, it won't be long before you figure it out, right? And that's what's happening in the church. And so these first two ideas are really challenging to us as a community because they imply, well, more than imply, they demand presence and involvement. That the church, if you're a part of it, it demands presence, your involvement, your life in it, right? And it demands you being active, those first two ideas. Second part, the church is to be a social revolution bringing change on a society by love, justice, and reconciliation. So what I mean is we, the community of faith, the church, are to be a social revolution, a change-making agent in the city and around the world for the purpose of love, justice, and reconciliation. In fact, God has called us the ministers of reconciliation. He says, I've passed that on to you. That our calling is to bring and help people to get to the place of wholeness and healing with God and with each other. The church is also a diverse community of gender, culture, economics, and race, all centered on the worship of Jesus Christ as Lord and gathering for the purpose of being empowered to go back into the world on mission. Can I get an amen? Amen, right. The church is diverse. It's a community of individuals from all different collective backgrounds, from different cultures, all universally in the church. 
And together, we should be all centered on the worship of Jesus Christ as Lord, knowing that he's the center. And that when we gather, the purpose of us getting together is to worship him and to be empowered to go back into the world on mission. That is why we exist. So these are kind of like the foundation for what I want to talk about this morning. And I want to talk about new community in two ways. I want to talk about it in layers and movement. Layers and movement. I think layers and movement kind of define the way that new community wants to see itself in the world. And, and I, I love the idea or the uh, kind of in some ways the theory of layers. Layers, in my opinion, everything's better in layers. Let me give you a couple examples, okay, just so you're all tracking with me. Here's the first example. Seven-layer cake, right? If you just think about a single layer of cake, eh, it's okay. Seven layers of that same cake, even better, right? Or seven-layer dip, okay? Some of you are tracking with me on this. If you have a single-layer dip, what's that? Salsa, right? Salsa, that's a snack. This is almost like a full meal, right? You like can get into it. It has substance, right? So as you can tell, layers. Here's another layer. This is like one of my favorite layers, Oreos. Okay, there's layers. But here's the best. Everybody knows layers are important. That's why they double stuff it, right? But here's the thing. I quad stuff it. So what you do is you take a double stuff, you open it, and then you stick it together. Now you're at quad stuffed. While I was looking for a picture of quad stuffed, I found this. I have no idea. I didn't count the layers. But for some of you, that's way better, right? That's way better. Everything in layers is better. But let me give you some practical illustrations. I think, and I'm convinced, that the church here thinks that relationships are always better layered. Relationships are always better layered. So if I know Nadia, we just saw her demonstrate her faith in Christ. If I know Nadia, who knows... Kelly and Diana, who knows the rest of her small group, and all of us are seeking to pour into her life together, the impact, the collective impact, is far greater in the life of Nadia if we're in it together than if we're in it separately. If it's just you trying to influence your friend, you'll be somewhat effective. If it's you and 10 of your friends influencing that same friend, you'll be far more effective. If you and your friend each decide to pour in and invest in two people, who then pour in and invest in two people, who then pour in it, you see the idea, right? So there's multiplication that happens with it. And the more that those layers become intertwined, the more influence and effect it has on people. Relationships always exist that way. Layers make relationships better. Here's another. I think layers help us to be more effective in life. Uh, This is about a year ago. I was over at Moody Bible Institute. It was a senior seminar class, and I was. uh, They invited me in to just ask some questions, and they asked me what are some things that I like to do in life. And I told them um, one of the things I like to do is uh, coach. I like to coach people, and uh, I coach church planters. I coach pastors. I coach business people. I, I like just to coach in general. I also like to coach soccer players. Right. So I told them I like to coach, and then they said, well, where's some, I said, well, I like to exercise or work out, and I like to spend time with my family, I like to, to have hobbies, I like to, you know, I started describing that. And one of the students goes, um, that's impossible to do all that, you can't fit that in in a day, you can't fit that in in a week, right, like, you just described too many things. And I said, not if they're all layered. And they said, I don't understand what you mean, and I said, well, let me explain. So I... Practical illustration, 
love to coach. So I have the opportunity to coach in the city. I coach soccer. But I also love to play soccer. And every time that I coach, I get to play it. And I get to knock the ball around, and I get to enjoy it. And it's like two hours of just bliss for me. But while I'm doing it, I also get to exercise because I need to exercise and try to stay healthy. And then on top of that, I want to be committed in the community, to serve the community. And so by coaching young kids in the community, it's a way for me to give back to the community, to also know people in the city outside of this church. So the way I do that is I get to know the parents of the kids that I'm coaching. And then on top of that, I try to layer the idea that, that, um, <clears throat> that not only am I connected, not only invested, but I also have family time because my boys play on the team. So now I've overlapped family time. And then they actually pay me to do this. I would volunteer to do it all anyway, but they do. And so that's like a whole nother layer on top, right? So you have all these layers that are all happening at the same time. And so you're doing one thing but accomplishing ten things at the same time. That's the idea of layers. And some of you understand it because you understand it when you go to, like, to the gym to work out. Let me give you an example. Some of you go to the gym and you show up and you work out and then you leave. You did one thing. Some of you go to the gym, and when you go there, you go there with purpose. And so you go, and you greet the people you don't know. You start to interact with the people you already have a relationship with. You try to connect the people that you already have a relationship with with those that you don't have a relationship with. And you keep adding layer on top of layer. You're asking good questions to people, trying to really invest in them deeply. And that's what it looks like to layer things. To go there for not just one purpose, but to go there for multiple purposes. So New Community tries, in many ways, I think, to understand the way that the church operates here as layers. Let me give you some of those layers. I'm not going to give all of them to you for the sake of time, but I'm going to run through a few of them. First of all, we already mentioned this one, New Community is people. That's the center layer, right? That if that layer doesn't exist, then we're basically done, right? Because the people are the church. Second layer. Scattered and gathered. We believe that as a community, we are deeply committed to the idea that we will be a church scattered as much as, or more importantly, than we will be a church gathered. What I mean by that is scattered is the other six days of the week. The other six days of the week look like this. It'll be listed here. They look like work and home and community and small group and you investing in the city. That when we leave... The collective energy in this room is dispersed throughout the city. And then the places of employment and in our neighborhoods and with our friends and at the gym or wherever you find yourself, we are the church scattered. But then we also, in that, we get connected in a group life and we invest in one another, we pour into one another, encourage one another to further live out what we're seeking to live out. But then we're also the church gathered. And by that I mean once a week, in small group, and then once a week, here on Sunday morning, we gather. And that looks like what we saw this morning, a chance to worship, to make Christ known, to declare our faith, to practice the sacraments, to, um, to have kids' community, to invest in, in courage and, and relate to one another in this space too. And so all of that happens on a regular basis. Without that second layer, you can't get to what we would consider the third layer, and the third layer is leadership development. So we would say leadership development is a central layer, and one of the reasons it is is because all the other layers I'm going to mention stack on top of that one. 
So if we don't gather together, if we're not scattered, if we don't understand that, but then if we don't understand truly that the purpose for new community is to develop leaders, we've probably missed most of the rest of it, right? That all the other layers won't stack on top if we don't have this particular layer. That new community exists to invest, equip, empower, send out, train up, mobilize, whatever other word you want to use, you. That's our job. That's why we're here. We exist for that reason. And as you leave equipped, empowered, mobilized, with a vision to reach the city, then actually the church is living out what it's supposed to be living out. And so leadership development is central. Let me explain a few ways that we do that. Group life. It's our responsibility. And in fact, we've dedicated basically all of Kevin is just about group life. His highest priority. Pour into leaders, train leaders, equip them, walk alongside groups. Because we believe church happens best in group. That you can best live out what it means to look like the body of Christ in that context. And so we'll continue to train up and encourage and recruit and lead group leaders. Another one is the internship. You hear me um, talk about it a fair bit because uh, I'm passionate about it. And part of why I'm passionate about it is because as we coach interns, they are leaders who are influencing this group, but then ultimately go out and influence the world. I just, uh, for the sake of it this week, we put together a little map this is where interns over the last seven years are currently located. It's, they're scattered around the world. I mean, we have a lot, in the, obviously, in the United States. We have some in Tanzania, in Nairobi, Kenya, uh, Siberia, South Korea, um, and then all throughout the United States. And in just a, a whole smattering of jobs and occupations, we have teachers and counselors, business owners, accountants. We have missionaries, indigenous church planters, hospice workers, uh, we have people working at nonprofits like uh, Youth for Christ, Lifeline, L'Arche. We have people teaching in classical Christian schools. Uh, we have drug rehab counselors, Leukemia Foundation uh, sponsors. We have, uh, the list goes on and on. I'm not even going to read the whole thing. But the, the point is that God is using this place to train up, mobilize, and send out leaders all over. And we want to continue to be a place that invests in interns. Also, in residence. You've heard about our residency program before where we bring someone to live among us for a year to two. The past three people that have joined staff in a residency kind of situation have all gone on to plant churches. Our hope is to continue to bring in people, not just for the purpose of planting churches, but for other startups that we have in mind as well. We're currently in conversation to bring a young man from Mexico who's going to come and live with us for a year to two, be in our community, serve within us, and learn what it's like to plant in an urban context. The church network that he's a part of is always planted in rural areas, and over the last couple of years, we've invested in this church planting network in Mexico, and he, the plan, hopefully, will this year come and, uh, and work to then go back and plant in an urban context. So amazing, the residency. We have spiritual formation. Uh, This year we did Heart for the City, Gospel for the City, to give us an emphasis as a community on what it means to reach into the city with the gospel. But things uh, like 
uh, marriage class that's going on or spiritual disciplines that we've done in the past. We have a retreat coming up this April focused on the kingdom life. All of those things are part of what it looks like uh, to be involved in spiritual formation. And then we have marriage mentoring, this last, uh, last one, where we walk alongside couples who are preparing to be married, and it's our responsibility, I think, as a community, to help and prepare people uh, to walk into a lifelong partnership together. So these are layers. The next layer on top of um, leadership development is church planting. Many of, us, uh, many of you know that if you've been around here for a while, church planting has been one of those kind of uh, reoccurring themes. Uh, God, by his grace, has allowed us to plant six churches in our 25-year existence, six of them in the last 11 years. So in December, new community, a church plant will turn 25. And over the last five years, or last 11 years, excuse me, we've planted churches in, uh, in these locations, should be a map coming up. So um, all of them in the Spokane general area, one up in Deer Park, Mead, Coeur d'Alene, and then the rest, including ourselves there in Spokane. We've had, um, <clears throat> throughout this time, we've had partnerships with a church planning organization called Christian Associates. Christian Associates uh, plants churches throughout the world, and we have partnered with them uh, in several ways. We partner with them financially. We've partnered with them where uh, we have been doing coaching with church planters. Uh, the last uh, two years, I've coached three church planters. Uh, currently, we're only coaching one church planter. Uh, we meet monthly with uh, leaders within Spokane who are tied to this organization. And uh, all of it, again, for the purpose of seeing more churches planted. Uh, Just to give you a little fact check, 95% of all churches throughout the entire history of the church's existence will never plant another church. But we, gratefully, um, have been able to do that, uh, and we want to continue to dream and live into that vision. Another layer on top of that is mission. I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about mission, uh, in part because we talk about it often enough, but right now... Uh, this community is supporting missionaries all over the world. We have uh, people in Australia, we have people in Tanzania and Kenya, and uh, we have missionaries here in Spokane. Uh, we, in fact, uh, missionaries at local nonprofits, we have missionaries that are leading other churches, and then we also uh, are in conversation right now about bringing an individual back who is a part of our community for four or five years, grew up here took off, has been a missionary for the last three years, uh, kind of all over the world, currently in California. We're in conversation to bring him back and have him be a missionary here in Spokane, trying to start disciple-making movements in uh, really significant ways and having that overlap with what we're doing here in the city. Another layer on top of that, still on layers, partnerships. We want to be and will continue to be a community that partners with others. We believe that the kingdom works best and the influence of the kingdom works best when we do it together. So what I mean by that is within our DNA, there is a sharing and partnering mentality. It's part of who we are. So let me give you a list of some in town. A couple cool water. We have been running partners with them for years. They are serving youth without homes, and it is our desire to continue to encourage and strengthen and build up that ministry. Young Life 
they have just a deep passion for youth in this city. Uh, they share offices in this space with us and run activities and events in here all the time. We have a, a new program that starts tomorrow. It's called the SAIL program. For those of you not familiar, um, it is an exercise and fitness program for elderly people that will happen right here in these chairs. It's going to be awesome. And uh, that starts, and it's going to be Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and uh, just trying to invest uh, in people in that way. Uh, YFC has been a partner with us for years, Global Neighborhood. We, uh, we use this space, and it's free to any nonprofit in the city that wants to use it. Currently, there's uh, two or three nonprofits officing out of this space, but in addition to that, uh, 15 to 20 nonprofits throughout this year have taken up uh, this space and used it for events, for gatherings, for fundraisers. Uh, we've had uh, Moody Bible, UGM, Young Life, Young Lives, Gonzaga, um, the, the whole host of other organizations that have used this space uh, to, to meet their needs and really the needs of this community. So partnership is another uh, important layer for us. The last layer I'm going to mention this morning is new ventures. And by new ventures, uh, we are wanting to continue to see, and I, I think in many ways we would say as a group of elders and leaders that we are uniquely positioned in the city to be a culture that wants to see startups happen, mobilized, encouraged, resourced, and sent out. So let me give you some examples. There are, um, there's a renewed focus within our community on business's mission. For those of you not familiar with the term, the big idea is this. Don't see your business as a place where you make a product. Don't see your business as a place where you make a profit. See your business as a place that's a forefront of mission. And what I mean by that is that every, all the decisions you make are, are focused on the idea of how do we expand the kingdom of God and run an amazing business at the same time. There are businesses that have been born out of this church that are for the social good and for the community wellness of this city. That's their focus. That's their heartbeat. That's why they do what they do. And it's our desire to see more and more businesses that even were founded in a way that's different than that, change the focus to being one that's for the city and for the mission of God. Not only that, we have started an entrepreneurs club within this community. We're partnered with an organization in Chicago uh, with some good friends of mine who uh, they have recently won a grant. They're coming out here on a regular basis and they're training up entrepreneurs, uh, giving them education theologically, uh, helping them to understand business, helping them dream, potentially doing some funding. Uh, there's even been donations within our community to help with startups, meaning that if uh, there's people within our community that come up with an idea that say, let's make this happen, that the coaching is there, the resourcing is there to say, okay, let's get this off the ground. Let's get you your nonprofit status. Let's get you some organizational logistics to get going and figure out ways to further change the city. We also have been focused over the last seven years on nonprofit startups. And for some of you, again, I don't know if you, how comprehensive your understanding is of new community, but uh, seven years ago we started Global Neighborhood. Global Neighborhood works with refugees in the city to bring holistic development and to prepare them for employment out in the city by job training and by providing them with real jobs. Over the last seven years... Um, they have given away over $100,000 to former refugees in employment. 
they've done job training with numerous uh, former refugees to equip them and prepare them for jobs throughout the city. Um, they are currently employing 11 former refugees, uh, also hoping to kind of increase that to about 20 or so refugees over this, uh, this year. They're on their third business startup underneath Global Neighborhoods. So there's a thrift store, there's a cleaning business, there's screen printing business. Now, all of you might be asking this question in your mind. I thought we were talking about a new community. Why are we talking about Global Neighborhood right now? Here's why. Because their win is our win. There are things that are happening in this city with refugees that would never have ever happened if this community did not have the foresight and the belief that there was a need that had to be met and that we were the people that were supposed to meet it. That there are things happening in this city that would not be in existence if it wasn't for the, the faith and the belief and the resources of this community. Let me uh, tell you about one more of those. Uh, this one is fresh because a week ago, uh, the 90 Plus Project got its 501c3 status. For those of you not familiar with the project, you're not familiar with it because I've never told you about it. And the reason I've never told you about it is because, well, I, there's lots of reasons. But I'm really excited about it. So I wanted, I wanted to tell you about it because the whole point of this organization is about preparing young kids. The, the, the focus is mentoring under-resourced or underprivileged youth to holistic development through the avenue of, wait for it, soccer. Okay? And this is why I'm really excited about it, and this is why also I haven't really told you a whole lot about it, because you're like, you always go on and on about it. But here's the idea. Um, We have been following, I think, the Spirit's leading this. He's been opening some doors within the community, and uh, mentoring is one of the most significant needs of young kids. And so the goal is to provide people and resources around the idea of further mentoring in a team context, and to do that through the avenue of soccer, and provide for those students things that they need that they aren't having provided for them currently. And part of how we want to see that happen is uh, by investing in these kids as they're young. But here's the thing. We have not really talked to very many people at all about it because we're just getting going and we just a week ago, I said, got our uh, nonprofit status. But already, we have had schools come to us and say, we've heard about the program and we want you to run it here. We have had uh, people sign up kids and we don't even have signups yet. We don't start until this fall and we've had administrators of schools, principals of schools, um, Teachers within the school system contact us and say, can you bring this program here and can we help you do it? Can we even help fund it? We have uh, another school that's just starting in Spokane that came to us and is in a conversation where they're asking if we will be their after school program. I mean, there's all these opportunities and we just, we can't even keep up. And it's just starting and what we're, like, we're scrambling, trying to find, okay, we need administrative help, we need resources, we need donors, we need volunteers, we need coaches, we need the whole, because th- we thought, originally, we're going to like, well, 15, 20 kids, we'll just kind of invest in them, and right now, it's like, if, if, if we, we can't, but if we started this way, it would be like 100, 200 on day one, we, and we can't even, we can't do that yet, my, my mind's going kind of crazy. 
But all of this is layers, right? That new community is affecting and is making a change in the city and it's doing it because it understands that if you have leaders and if you pour into those leaders that you can layer everything on top and we as a community can affect far more than we could individually. Let me finish by talking a little bit about movement. The second idea is movement. I'm not going to spend a lot of time here, but this is, movement is a word that helps us define success. See, a lot of churches would define success by the number of people that are sitting here or by the size of your bank account or something like that. We define success by movement. And what I mean is movement is change, dramatic change that happens in the life of people and places and cities character, all of that, right? So we would define success as, are you moving? Are you becoming more like Jesus? Are you better demonstrating the fruit of the Spirit? If you are, then there's success, right? Because you're moving. We would also define it that way in groups, better living out the seven values. We would define that in our community. We would define that on the impact that this church is having on the city, See, if it was all about size for us, we would never plant another church. That's why a lot of churches don't plant. They just keep adding, right? We plant because we believe that we can actually further our reach. Do you know how many people drive from Deer Park to here? Zero, right? It doesn't happen. But now we have a church of 100 up in Deer Park, right? Why? Because we're extending the reach of the kingdom wherever God can take it. And we want him to take it, and he wants to take it everywhere. So that's part of our mission and desire. Now, it's, uh, it's important, I think, for us to ask one significant question. I was sitting with, uh, I was sitting having, um, working over at a cafe in Garland by my house, and a girl walks in, and uh, she started asking me questions, and she didn't know what she got in for when she started asking me questions, and then she asked about church, and I said, well, let me ask you a question about church for you Um, because she had told me before in a previous conversation that she goes. And I said, great. Uh, So here's the question. If your church closed its doors on Sunday of this week and never was in existence again, would anyone notice? And she said, well, I've never thought of that question before. And I said, well, I think it's the most important question. Would anyone notice if the church closed its doors? So I ask it to us. If we closed our doors and we never gathered again, would this city notice? And it should notice at two levels, in my opinion. First, it should notice at a collective level that there should be less that's happening in our city collectively for former refugees, for orphans, for widows, for uh, for us affecting change within the city. That people should notice. But then also, you can't ask that question collectively if you can't ask that question individually because the church is a people, right? So the question is, if you were no longer here this next Sunday, would anyone notice? And I don't mean, would your friends notice that you weren't hanging around? I mean, would the city notice that there was a significant contributor that's now not present? Would there be a reverberation because you're not in your neighborhood, you're not in your place of employment, you're not with your friends, you're not at your places of recreation, and that the influence you bring because of the Spirit of God in you is not being felt? That's a question I think we have to ask. And I ask it because movements require everybody. Movements require us, right? They require us. 
Um, Romans 12 says it this way, and I'll wrap up with this. It says that all of us are of one body, and we all have different gifts. Last line, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. The idea is that if you're a part of a community of faith, that you have something to offer, and it should be used. Right? It should be used. So when you think of new community, think of it in layers and movement. And your movement, your action in it, right? Your action in it has layers too. It has layers like this. Serve, volunteer, be a part of what's happening here, but volunteer and serve in the city. Group, invest your life in the lives of other people in a group context. Your life will always be better for it. Always. Pray. Ask God to continue to move in our midst. We can't hear stories like this or like this if we do not pray. God moves actively in prayer. Lead. Be the kind of people that continue to lean into your leadership giftings. You all have them. Don't be afraid of them. Lean into them. Mentor. I mean, pour your life into others. Give. Contribute financially to this community to other organizations. Help nonprofits get started. Volunteer, give, resource. All of that is, uh, in my opinion, the best way to live. Let me uh, shift gears with you here to close. So that was the talk, and now we're in a business meeting, okay? And it happened like that. So you're at a business meeting right now, and uh, I'm going to have handouts come around. Handouts are coming around right now, which help, I think, give voice to what I just talked about, okay? Now, normally, and some of you, if you're visiting with us, you're like, wow, I did not know I signed up for this today. That's all right. I'm sorry. You came this morning. But here, uh, here's, here's why this is important. Because in order for new community to continue to be what new community does, we have to talk about how we use our resources, okay? Now... Here's, here's what I think is really important too. Uh, every year we have this time because, and the reason we've started doing it at the end of services is because we used to just kind of go, hey, if you want to stay, um, feel free, we'll have a little lunch in the back and like four people would show up. And, uh, and that's fine and good. But I think it in some ways says you trust us, which is awesome. But in other ways, what it doesn't do is enable you to understand and see what we believe we're called to do as a community of faith. So you're going to see two sheets, front and back. First sheet is going to look like this up on the screen. First slide. So what you're going to see on this first slide, I'm going to describe this sheet in three ways. First part of the sheet is this. These, this is the money that we gave away this year. That the generosity of this community extends beyond here to resourcing other ministries, organizations, missionaries, people, um, needs within the city, etc. Okay? If you look at the numbers, if you go all the way over to the far right, 16.81 or about 17% of everything that came into New Community went back out. Okay? It is our belief that we are to be a generous community. We will continue to live into the value of being generous. To give you some context on that, the national average of churches 
that the money that comes in, the amount of money that goes out, the national average is about 1.3 to 1.5%. Meaning, they get in whatever amount of money they get in, and then they give away out of that about 1.5, a little less than 2%. Okay? We don't think that we can call you to be generous if we ourselves, collectively as a group, are not generous. So you'll notice we gave away um, just in some of those categories about $35,000, a little more than. And then designated income is money that has been earmarked for something else. So if you think of it this way, it's money that comes in that is designated directly to a missionary or to um, some gift or contribution to um, an organization or an event. Or, for example, the interns are about to go on a trip to Chicago, and some of you I know are going to want to get behind them, plug, and give them some money to help them go on their trip, right? That money, we can't then turn around and say we're going to spend it on the lights or the heat for the building right? That money goes directly to what it was earmarked for. That's designated money. So about $19,000 came in a little more than for designated income. And the total was about $54,000 was given away this year. Second column. Second column is ministries within our church. So this is spiritual formation, leadership development, all that kind of stuff. And you're going to go, wow, we gave a whole 0.74% uh, of our what we bring in to that. Yes, because here's why. We try to run zero-based kind of events. And what I mean by that is, if uh, you sign up for marriage class, if it's going to cost like $20 to run marriage class, then we're going to charge you $20 for marriage class. And when you, we have a little left over in case you can't afford it and we you know, are able to meet those needs. But the idea is that the event covers itself. So we don't have to spend all kinds of extra money on ourselves right, as an organization, because what we're doing is we're meeting needs along the way. Got it? So that's what that means. There was some money given to the building fund for a little project, and that's what uh, that amount is. Okay? Next, general operating budget. So the whole remaining amount of money was 266800 and change, which um, we'll show you on the next page. That shows you that currently we have 58000 or about $59,000 in the bank. Okay? Make sense? Uh, I'll give you a chance for questions in just one moment. We'll wrap up with this. So <clears throat> on the next page, total contributions was $266,800 toward the general expenses of the church. So you'll notice if you look down in the second column or so, uh, a little over hundred or about $104,000 goes to light, heat, uh, rent, this space, uh, utilities, maintenance, all that kind of stuff, Right? So that's about 104000 Then you see um, after that the um, <clears throat> wages and benefits. You go down to the very bottom, and you're going to notice that over the year 2014, we lost about $44,000. So every year we kind of show you exactly where we're at with finances. We tell you this is what came in, this is how we spent it, and uh, this is where we're at. Here's one of the things that if you look, it might have struck you as well. As it struck me, if you go over the numbers, what you'll notice is on the back side, we lost 44000 On the front side, we gave away about 44000 or a little over, right? So <clears throat> here's what that means, essentially. We gave away, or we were really generous, with people's money from previous years. But the money that came in for this year really was only money enough to cover our own stuff. 
So what we had to do is kind of borrow from the past to pay for mission and giving in the future, right? So my encouragement is this, that as a community, if we want to continue to be generous and give away and continue to be the kind of place that lives into layers and movement that we talked about, then we have to be the kind of place that continues to give to that. So I'm not very good at math, but I realized that if you just took the number of people that were here this service and last service, and if everyone gave $1,000, we would have an extra forty grand sitting over at the end of the year from our annual budget. So we budget $360,000 for this year. We would have all of that covered if everyone gave $1,000. Now, some of you in the room are going, man, I give way more than 1000 You do. Right. And so some of you are going, well, I'm in college. Yep, true. And some of us can't afford 1000 But 1000 just to put it in perspective, would mean that over the course of the year, you made about $10,000. Or if you're a couple and you each gave $1,000, that you made as a couple collectively about $20,000, right? That if we are the kind of people who are generous with our resources, you would see that collectively we could not only meet the budget, but if we just hit more than that even, we'd double our number. And doubling our number could only further increase the impact in the city. And I mean that because if, if you see what we've been continuing to do and what we're continuing to dream for, there's a whole list of things I haven't even covered for the sake of time. Simply, that God is inviting us into this. And my challenge to you is, give a thousand. Give way more. And I guarantee and I promise you that the way that it's used is for kingdom good. If you have any questions, I'd love to take them now. If not, I will um, end the business meeting with a benediction. It's the best way to end all business meetings. All right? So, any questions about money that's come in, how we've spent it, or what it's earmarked for, and what we need or will do in the future? Any questions? Okay, you can uh, always come to me individually. You can come to any of the elders or small group leaders, ask us questions. We'd be happy to answer them for you. Also, if you, have, uh, if you want to know more information about nonprofits or the Entrepreneurs Club, or I had about 30 people up here last service that were asking and taking down information, uh, see me. I'd love to talk about it. And uh, let me pray, and then we'll be dismissed. Father, We are uh, excited about how you're moving in our midst. I mean, even this morning, to see um, people dedicate their life, to say that every breath that I have from this point forward is a breath to be used for you. What What an amazing statement. That you've worked in us and through us in ways that bring about change. God, I pray that you would be with new community as a collective group of people, that you would help us to embody what it means to be your children out in this city. And that on top of that, God, that you would allow us collectively to continue to spur on love and good works and faith and mission within the city. God, may you encourage us in this. May you give us faith to continue to believe that you will use us individually and collectively. Thanks for entrusting us with these gifts. Help us to use them for your purposes. And God, I pray that you would go behind us this week, that you would go before us, that you would surround us, that you would be within us, 
most of all, and that people would recognize the difference that you make. And we ask this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You are dismissed. Have a great week.